Somebody listening to me. I want you to turn your Bible to 1 John as we have studied uh, prayer and looked at it in all kind of different frame of references. This is our last sermon on giving, uh, I mean praying. <laughs> Start a new series. Um, we're going to do, um, people have been asking to do a sermon on that attached to the February, the month of February, even in Bible study. This week we're going to take a break from walk through the Bible and talk about what does God has to say about black history. We'll look at that in Tuesday night just from a God perspective, not necessarily um, any other way. Just what do the scriptures say about that? And then next week we're going to focus on the scriptures and how it addresses us functioning in a manner that pleases God so the church is not hateful like the world is. That we function in making a new history that is not hate, full of hate and resentment because of the pigmentation of someone's skin. So we want to talk about that next week and then I'm going to probably run you all out of church. I could always tell when the series are really interesting. Church has got a better attendance. I've learned that as a pastor. Um, but we're going to go from there, and we're going to talk about, like I'm glad Brother Sanders introduced it perfectly. What has God got to say about giving? Because giving has become about preachers and church and not about God. And giving has nothing to do with preachers or just the building of a church or or just being in church. It has more to do with you and God. That's one of the reasons why we don't pass a plate and make you walk around. Because we want you at that box between you and God. It's very private time. So I want to talk about that. And then somewhere in this year, I want to talk about what does the Bible say about you voting? How to vote? On message y'all. Yeah, a matter of fact, uh, I was with Dr. Evans at his house during my sister's sickness, and he's going to be talking about that. I said, oh, man, why do you always talk about stuff that I'm talking about? Folk are going to think I'm piggybacking off of you. But uh, so we're going to trade notes. I said, at least I know what you're going to talk about. So we're going to trade notes. And I said, you better preach my notes. Let's look. <laughs> Sorry, that's just how brothers talk to each other. Look at First John chapter 3. I want for the sake of context to begin in verse 13, even though we're going to focus from verse 19. All right? Look at verse 13. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. No one who keeps hating somebody. The Bible said they can't be saved. Verse 16. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth. That's where we're going to speak on today. We are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. And whatever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Amen. Dear God, we love you. Easy to say, but not always easy to do. Well, Lord, we do love you. We just struggle. Help us to learn what, how you view love, especially on this Valentine weekend, and how that leads to prayer, being heard and being answered. 
And help us have a heart to learn this process today so that the weak don't wear us out from being able to listen or the problems that we face don't wear us out or shut our ears off. So, Lord, we will listen so that we, when we pray to you, we could do it with confidence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. People are quick to say they love you. Really quick. Folk that don't even know you. They'll walk up to you sometime and say, you know I love you. You don't know me. Go ask my wife if she still loves me after 40 years. You know, do you really know what love is? Do we really know what love is? That's a big question. Because when God defines love, it really has nothing to do with saying love. And once love is love, the person don't need to say they love you. They really don't need to. Even though it helps, it's nice, it encourages the person. There's really no need to say, I love you, when love is love. That's why the Bible is saying when love is sincere, then it has to be somebody that is empowering it to be what it needs to be in order for it to continue to be what it needs to be. Let me give you for instance. A long time ago, somebody asked me to marry them, and I said no. And I go, Really? How are you going to say no? You're my pastor. I go, yep, still no. He says, why? The person isn't saved. So you wouldn't marry me just because the person isn't saved. No, they ain't saved. I can't marry you when they're not saved. Why? Because they only can love you through the honeymoon and maybe a few more weeks. And then when they got to know the real you, they will come out and eat you. I said, what are you talking about? Wolf eats sheep. Wolf don't have relationships with sheep. They eat them. So understand, the Bible is clearly calling this person a wolf, and you're a sheep, and you want to know if y'all going to be married, and I'm saying to you, no, because they do not have what it takes to love. Love is a different thing. It's easy to say it, but it's a whole lot of thing to be it. And that's what the Bible is saying, and the only way you know when it's sincere and when it is totally happening, it's when there is actions on a long way and a long time showing that it exists. When it's going on for a long time, the Bible says that person can only do that when the heart is right. Now, folks, understand. Samuel was a man that was revered by Israel because when Samuel moved around, you knew God was with him. It is obvious. The things that Samuel would do, the things that Samuel would be around people, how he would function, how he would act, you could see God smack through him. So there was no way these people would ever do anything than revere Samuel. Samuel was just somebody they honored and they had to be careful not to make a God. That's how high Samuel was. When this Samuel went to pick a king, he still picked the wrong king until God told him the right king. And when God told him the right king, God said, here he is because I know his heart. The only person that can select the heart of a person is God. That's why the Bible would say, you can confess your sin, confess your sin, confess your sin. But the way I'm going to save you is when I look at your heart and see it's right. When I look at your heart and I see it's right, that's when I come in your life. Until then, all you did was confess me. You didn't get saved. That's why the person may confess. You don't believe in a person's confession, the Bible says. Believe in their fruit. The Bible is telling us that the heart is something that only God can look at, know, judge, and understand. Only God can tell a person what's going on in their heart. And the Bible says when the heart is right, what comes out of it is love. That's why the heart matters in prayer. It matters in prayer. And I want us to first look at verse 19 and work our way through so that we could learn what the heart looks like that leads God when he looks into the person's heart to say, hey, this person's heart is right, so I will listen to their prayers. Because you don't forget now, I explained to you in John chapter 9 verse 31, he does not hear the prayers of a sinner. 
So a person who is not saved, they're just talking to the skies. He's not hearing them because when he looks at their heart, he doesn't see the heart that has even responded to him as their Savior. So there's no point in responding to that person's prayer. The heart matters. So let's take a look at verse 19 and work our way through this because until we are here, our prayers are being blocked. He's not listening, even for a Christian. He is not listening, folks, to our prayers. So we're just on our knees getting worn out. And don't forget, you don't have to close your eyes and pray. You don't have to bend your knees and pray. The Bible don't say any of those things. It doesn't say clasp your hand. I don't know where those things come from. Prayer is communication with God. Here's the heart that matters. He says in verse 19, he says, we will know by this. You, gotta, you get stuck right there because you have to underline in that verse, by this. We will know by this. What is by this? Because John is assuming we already know what we're supposed to know by this. So the word know and by this is a key phrase. What does the word know means and what does by this means? He's already explained it. Let me show you why I say that. In John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, look at what he says when we know that we know that we know. He says that we know that we know that we know because, in other words, we don't even know by this until we know what we need to know. In other words, let me put it this way. Put it this way. A little girl was given a dime, a dollar by her dad. A dollar by that. That's a, listen, baby, here's a dollar. And I'll take you out, and you could buy what you want to buy. Here's a dollar. Buy it. And the little girl got excited, and then he gives someone that was next to her, another little girl, her friend, a dime. And the little girl goes, oh, that's pretty. That's pretty. Have my dollar. I want that dime. Because she didn't know the value of a dollar, she thought the dime, because it was prettier, was something she needed to have because the dime was prettier. So she took the dime and gave up the dollar. Understand, the Bible is saying if you don't know, you don't know by this. You first have to know in order to be able to know what love looked like by this. So how does a person come to know what they need to know? Because a lot of people think they know that they don't know. You open up the hood of a car, I know it's a lot of stuff in there, but I don't know. The word know in the Bible means to see. It's the word oida, it's to see. So to us in our culture, to know is knowledge. In the Bible it means the translation of that knowledge in real life situations so you could see what you need to see when you're living out your life. You could see what you need to see because the knowledge has opened up your mind to be able to understand what you're dealing with so you could see. That's what the Bible means by know. It's not just knowledge. It's a lot of people in jail quoting scripture. It's not that they don't know, they just can't see. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 says, By this we know we have come to know him, if we keep his commands. Here's the first thing about a person who know the will of God, and therefore from the will of God, he could structure their heart to know what love looks like. So they could see from their heart what love really is. He said the first thing you would know about a person who knows is that no matter what is going on in life, they're going to pick up the Bible. Abraham could mess up, but the minute he got God in his face, he picked up the Bible. The person has a heart, a willingness, it's good soil, and that when the Word of God hits them, they immediately continue to want to do what the Bible says to do. It's not you got to make them, you don't have to beat them in the head, you don't have to shake them and make them believe in all this other stuff. Because they heard the Word of God, because their heart is just right, they want to keep it. They want to keep doing it no matter their emotions could go this way, their emotions could go that way, stress can happen this way, anxiety could go a different way. All these different things can happen. But because their heart is right, the first thing they want to do is hold on to the Bible. He says, that person is telling you they know what they need to know. They've come to such a deep conviction and walk with God, they could never just throw the Bible out the door, no matter what they feel. Here's the second thing about a person who knows. 
He's going to tell us in verse 4. He says, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commands is a liar. And they don't possess the truth. That's what it means in the Greek. They don't possess the truth. Why is the truth such a big deal? I've always used this analogy. And if somebody was to come to you and say to you, hey man, my car gets 40 miles a gallon. When you drive it, you come to the truth. Until then, you just got knowledge. The Bible is literally saying to us, when a person keeps God's word, then they come to the point where the word of God becomes so relevant to their day-to-day -day life that it becomes reality to them. They start to walk in the reality of what the scriptures mean from a day-to-day -day process to where they can't do nothing but keep it because it makes so much sense when they live it that the only truth that merely makes sense is the truth that comes from God. Let, let, let me give you a for instance. A person goes to a terrible job, terrible job, and the boss is ugly and just mean and say all kind of mean things to them never respected, and then they go read Colossians chapter 3. And Colossians chapter 3 tells them that when you're in that kind of job, the issue isn't how the boss is acting. The issue is how are you acting under my authority related to the boss? Because I'm the ultimate boss. So if you choose to work as unto the Lord, and you choose to do what God is saying do, the first thing you chose to do is to keep God's word. Now, when you keep God's word, you see things happening in your way. You start to see that no matter what they try to do, they can't get at you in the sense that they can't cause you to lose your job. The, more, the first Peter come to life, the more they attack you is the more you get blessed. The more they attack you is the more you get promoted. The more they attack you is the more things go in your favor. So now you see the word of God working, so guess what you want to do? Keep it more. Because it became more of a reality in the day-to-day -day life issues. So now you want to keep it because you see, man, this stuff works. The Bible is saying when that person is starting to keep it, they come and possess the truth. So now they can be testifying. Let me testify. Girl, this stuff works. They could testify because now it's the reality of what they're living in. It's the reality of what they're in. And that's why the Bible says if a person says they know the Bible, but when reality hits, they drop it, they don't know the truth. Because there's no way that a good person, an honest person, a person that got some brain in their head, will come to the truth and drop the Bible. They will want to hold on to it more. That's why he says, you know by this. Look at verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him what is perfected? The love of God. That's why he is saying, you know by this. Because a person who keeps it, what comes out of them is the love of God. They can love an enemy. Doesn't mean they feel good about it. No feeling is in here. They probably walk in that job feeling like, here we go again. They're probably walking to the marriage going, well, Lord, I ain't got no reason for divorce, but thank God for Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, 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 they walk in like they, they wish they could get out of this thing, but oh, Lord. And he definitely, and he showed up again. Oh, the door opened and he's here. Sweet Jesus. You know. See, when a part, it's nothing to do with a feeling, it's nothing to do with excitement, nothing to do with all this stuff that people want. He says, no, 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 no. The person, because they're now keeping, because they now see how the word of God is working in reality, the Bible says now they're going to keep responding to that person the way God tells them to respond, and the minute they do that, they're loving. He says, that's how you know by this, the heart. You know the heart of the person by the fruit that comes out of it in the worst scenarios there is. Folks, folks, why would God tell Hosea to love Goma? Let me describe it for you just in case you forgot. Okay? This is not no big city. This is Warden, Texas, where Hosea and Goma's listening. Anybody been through Warden, Texas? One traffic light? I think they got four now. We're married them. They know what I'm. They know why I'm picking on them. I'm picking on married them. They're back there. They know why I'm picking on them. 
You go to Warden, Texas. By the time you blink on 59, you passed it. Warden, Texas. Chickens running everywhere still after 2020. There's still chickens. This is Warden, Texas, and you got Hosea and Gomer living in Warden, Texas. And Hosea has a wife who is Gomer, and she is down the street in Warden, Texas, biblically, with a whole bunch of different situations going on. A whole bunch of situations going on. And he has to go to the market. He got to go to the store. He got to drive around town. And his wife is standing at the street corner waving at him. And the Bible is saying, love her. Whoa, now we're talking. For Hosea to listen to God, obey God, and take Gomer back. And in, verse, in chapter 3 he says, go make love to her. I'm serious. It's in chapter 3, Hebrew text. Go make love to her. Like you would a husband and a wife. And Hosea still obey him. Bible says, you know, it ain't got nothing to do with her. It got everything to do with his heart for God. The Bible says, that's why you know by this. So, by, so when we're going to God and praying, and we're hollering to God, and we're crying out to God, and we're begging God to do stuff, God is saying, let's check the heart out first. Because if I answer the Word of God, and if I do what the Word of God is telling me to do because I'm God, I'm going to stick with the Word of God, and you have no desire for what I'm saying, why would I answer your prayer? I'm going to lead you back to the Word of God when you don't even have a heart for the Word of God, and if things get bad, you ain't going to keep the Word of God, so why would I answer it? The heart matters. So let's keep going. What is by this? Since y'all listening now. I got to go love folk I hate? Yes. That's the true test of if a person has the right heart. The true test is when you can apply God's word in the worst scenarios possible. You ever wonder why people being so in love when they first get married? That's why people who've been married a long time look at the bachelor and the bachelorette. They're wishing it get back like that. <laughs> I see some people looking at the bachelor and the bachelor. And they literally argue over this thing. I'm shocked. Why she took him? That's not the one. I'm going, they're going to be together like three days after this is over. What y'all talking about? Their marriages don't even make it. Why? Oh, they're on a yacht. They're over here, over there. All the bills are being paid for. They go to the gym all day. They eat celery all day long. They don't eat nothing. They're on a treadmill until they fall out. And so they stay skinny and look like Barbie. Barbie's like 100 years old and she still look like she's 30. Because she ain't alive. She got all of this stuff, and he is, why is this man still single at 30-something? Ever ask yourself that question? Why is he still single, and he's 30-something, and he's supposed to be a stud? Something wrong with that picture. If he's a stud, something's happening somewhere that you don't know about. And you got all of this going on, and you give them a few months afterwards. They ain't together because marriage is designed for God's love. So if God is not in it, it can't make it. A car is designed to have a motor. If it ain't got a motor in it, it can't go nowhere. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how nice it looks. I don't care if the music is bumping. I don't care if the wheels got wheels within wheels. I don't care if the leather seats are the best leather seats ever. If it doesn't have an engine, guess what? It's not going nowhere because it's designed for that. A, a dog don't need an engine. It can run. A cat don't need an engine. It can run. But a car is designed for an engine. You can't take the engine out and it works. God is saying marriage is designed to be Christ and the church. You take him out, it doesn't work. That's why you will know by this. 
What is by this? He's telling us by this in verse 16. You know by this. It's not like he's jumping into verse 19, arriving at this. He's been talking about by this. By this is the def definition in number one that people don't hate one another that have a right heart. They don't hate. You know what hate is? He defines it. Hate is when I know what you need and I ain't doing it. That's simply what hate is. Hate is I know what God says I need to do towards you, and I'm not going to do what God says I need to do towards you. The Bible is saying the minute I do that, I hate it. He said, but no, I'm nice to the person outside of this one issue. The Bible is saying, no, you didn't keep God's word. You kept your heart, your feelings, your emotions, and what you like and what you don't like, and you would rather push the person away, push the, 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 the person away no matter who the person is, because I can't stand what they do when they do this. And the Bible going, number one, you didn't keep it. And number one, you despise the person when you choose to, so you hate. Hate for us is hurting the person, doing this to the person. No, the Bible says the beginning of hate, where hate is already set in place to become worse, is when Cain decided, I don't like what my brother did. The minute he decided that and despised his brother, hate was already there, so murder just came later. Hate is first a decision that I make in my heart that I'm going to despise the man on the road to Jericho. I hate it. The rest that happens to leave the man to die came murder because I could have helped him. So I encouraged the murder that was going to be on his life. So since I despised him, I didn't keep God's word to help the broken and the hungry and the naked. I didn't do anything God said. So hate was already there. The Bible says, when I hate... You know by this, the heart isn't there because God does not have any no place in him for hate. Doesn't exist. So the person has already put God on the back burner. So I want you to think of somebody you hate right now based on this. And I want you to purpose in your heart this week to go love them by this. I know we ain't getting no amen over that. I know this is my last Sunday. That's why he says this. By this, here's the next thing you know by this. He says, by this, we will lay down our lives for our brethren. When it comes to people who are saved, I will do whatever it takes to help the people that are saved, no matter what they're going through. I will not neglect people that are saved. Uh, they said, brethren, I can't walk by somebody in church, know they're hurting, and do nothing. The Bible says you know by this that this person has a heart that came from God because that's their brother in Christ. That's their sister in Christ. And the person is hurting really badly. And they just walk by them and say, girl, I'm praying for you. The Bible says in, in James chapter 2, that's a person who don't know faith who sees a burned person freezing to death and say you're going to pray for them. The Bible says the Bible explained what you're supposed to do and you didn't do it. So therefore you didn't keep. So therefore there's no way you understand the truth because once you get into the reality of what the word of God means, you wouldn't want to turn against it. So as a result of that, the person doesn't know the truth. They don't keep Christ. They don't know by this. Their heart is messed up. Their heart is messed up. That's why he says this. So it's real quiet up in here. I'm going to preach. Y'all don't do that to a preacher. If you want a preacher to forget his sermon, start saying amen, praise the Lord, and clap. He, he'll, he'll forget everything. He'll be so happy. So when you get quiet, I preach harder. I'm going to preach harder. So y'all better say something. We're going to be here. He says this. He says, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart, Closes. Now, sometimes you ain't got no money to help somebody. But to close the heart, not call the benevolence ministry, not tell the person to go to the outreach center, not, hey, there's a, hey man, I found out about a job that's available down here or something. Just close. Know what you could do to open a door somewhere, but close it. Don't tell them about no job options, no opportunities, no doctors you know, nothing. Just know everything you know, but just close it. The Bible says, ain't no way. The Jesus that walked the streets of Galilee, healing the sick, taking care of the broken, helping those people that are messed up, that heart is who Jesus is. So for a person to not do the same thing, they can't be like him. 
That's why he says, little children, let us love, not in tongue. That's why people come and they say, Pastor Kenton, I want to get married. And now nah, you, you want to get married. Thank you for letting me know. I'm glad you want to get married, and I'm glad it's somebody of the opposite sex. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Jesus, I'm blessed. But the issue is, you don't know love when they say they love you. That is not a, that's, that's just an announcement for the real deal. The real deal. Six months down the road, you know the deal. You know the real deal. 20 years down the road, you know the deal of the deal of the deal. 25 years down the road, you know everything. You know the truth. And some folks want to be set free. <laughs> That's why he says, we know by this that we're of the truth. Folks, everybody says they want the truth. And I say, really? Do you really want the truth? Remember that movie? Do you really know want the truth? You can't handle the truth. There's some serious war stuff going on around here. There's some stuff we do nobody in America know. Do you really, really want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Or you wouldn't want America. That's what he's saying. Folk want the truth. And when the truth shows up in the morning, the wig is off. Eyelashes is removed. Padding is gone. Hair is all messed up. Bad breath and all. When they hear the snoring of the husband and the, no paint is left on the walls, they find out his job is just $10 an hour. It ain't all that it looked like. The car wasn't his car. It was a co-signing of mama. It's a $10 an hour job. That's why he moved into your house. <laughs> now you know the truth. See, we got truth messed up. We want the preacher to preach on Sunday, but we don't want truth. The minute you start getting into people's lives and start telling them the truth, they don't want it. The Lord knows I love him. They say all kind of things. The Lord knows my heart. And I'm trying. Everybody's trying. I don't know why that preacher talk like that. They don't really live like we live every day. All kind of stuff comes out. Because why? We want to hear the word, but we don't want the truth. <laughs> and that's why he says, <laughs> when the truth is the truth, now I got your attention. You got to know the truth. The truth is on Calvary's cross about what God loves. The truth is Jesus Christ coming from his mighty kingdom and his glory and his honor and walking around saying, I have no place to lay my head. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has no place to lay his head. Now you are into the truth. In order to win man back to himself, he got to find man in his sinful state. He got to find man lost in sin, shaped in iniquity with foolishness in his heart. He has to come down and find man where he is. Now you're dealing with the truth. Is when the truth of the Bible means how the word of God finally explains itself in real life situations. That's the truth. He says when a person comes to the truth ain't got no problem with the truth when they're obeying God, they're committed to do the will of God when the truth is the truth is the truth. The Bible says now they can come to me with a heart that is assured in prayer. They could come assured. They could come with no guilt, no doubt, no fear. They could come boldly before me because they know they're coming with the right heart. They could talk to me any kind of way because their heart is right. We are hooked up already before they ever come for the hookup. You know, 
I love my grandkids. They mess me up. I'm serious. They could walk in a room and I don't even know what I'm thinking no more. And I'll do anything for them. i just give them whatever. Hey, Papa, buy this. All right. I got to remember, I got a budget. I can remember saying, hey, Papa, there's Toys R Us. You're right, when it was open. There's Toys R Us. Oh, yeah, man, let's stop. They said, we get to pick anything? Before I went in the store and realized the truth, I said, yeah, sure, anything. And I hit the store, and sure enough, smack dab in the middle of the store is a big old car that costs 200 and something dollars. I said, not that one. <laughs> but they, they, they messed me up. But one of the things that just grab your heart is when the, you see the maturity coming out of them and you see them, their brother fall down the other day watching the kids, and they ran over, and they say, Carter, you okay? Didn't need a parent to get there, a grandparent to get there. They just love on her brother. She hugged her brother, and she loved on him. Said, Carter, it's okay. Don't cry. It's okay. I'm saying, whoa, now that's an older sister. You see, when that happens, and she looked at me and she says, Papa, down the road, she asked me for something. I want to do everything. Why? Because I saw her heart. I saw that this young girl is growing up, and she has a heart. And her heart is for her brothers. And her heart, no matter what, they, they may fuss sometimes, but the minute something happened to her brothers, she runs over there, and she wants to care for them. I'm watching this the whole time she's at my house. She is taking care of her brothers. She's walking next to people, asking them, hey, why you do that? You okay? I'm going to her heart. So when she's coming and saying, Papa, could I eat this? Yes. Papa, could I do this? Yes. I mean, I just say, I'm like a yes man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I you can just press anything because I saw her heart. The Bible is saying when I see your heart, you could come to me and ask me anything because I see your heart is right. So when I bless you, I can bless you because I know your heart. That's what he's saying. He says, I, is that, I don't want to bless you. I want to bless a heart that when it gets my blessing, it doesn't corrupt them because their heart is messed up. That's why he's saying, come to me. With, a, with, with your heart right, because the heart matters. I love what I put in here. I got to read it. When our emotions get, to, get us twisted, the word keeps us focused. We are fully persuaded that God listens and responds. So I never think, this is the next thing I put in here. I got to read it. You know, sometimes when you feel inspired when you do stuff, you got to read it. When, 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 when our heart is right, and we know we ain't perfect before God. Come on, folks. Who's perfect in here? Raise your hand. You just lied. There's nobody perfect here. It doesn't exist. So when a person does the imperfect thing because their heart is right, you don't have to make them say, God, forgive me. They are saying, God, forgive me. I know, oh, God, I knew better. They confess because their heart is right. And they so long for this relationship. You don't have to tell them to pray because the relationship with God is so genuine. They pray their heart out all the time because they long for that relationship to be great. That's why he says, come to me. Come to me with boldness. <laughs> I want to give you four things about what hate does to you. I don't know why. I just, some reason in the midst of this message, and preparing it, this came to me. What hate does to you? Let me give you four things. I think I have nothing to do with this message, actually. So I'm going to rush past it. If I go too fast, raise your hand like you don't care, and I will back up. Raising your hand lets me know I got to back up. Here's things that hate does to you, especially during Black History Month. Sometimes we could do reverse racism on people because hate has done something to us, that we reverse it to people. The Bible says when you return evil for evil, you're in a mess. And it's in this passage, it's in this book, it's in this chapter, or in this book. Here's the a, here's a four things. Darkness. We can't see nothing. For John chap, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through, chapter 2, verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9. It makes us dark. We can't see nothing. 
We want out of the marriage. We want out of this. We're sick of people. We can't see the, nothing coming out of good coming out of anything. We get dark. Here's a second thing happened. We have no fellowship with God. Chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 6 through 7. We have no fellowship with God. God doesn't like the fellowship with us anymore because we are hateful. Remember Cain and Abel? What did he want to not want to do with Cain? Fellowship with Cain because he's hateful to the point of murder. First, first John chapter 1, verse 3 and 6 through 7. Here's the third thing. We lose confidence when we pray to God. There's no confidence in praying to God because we know we messed up. And we're not even talking about the mess up we have in our own heart. So we have no confidence when we pray. He's hearing us. Chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 16 through 17. Chapter 4, verse 16 through 17. No confidence. No confidence. The other thing is James, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. James, chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. He doesn't answer our prayer. He doesn't answer our prayer because he sees hate, not love. He doesn't hear our prayers. He sees hate. Disgust for people. Can't stand this. Don't believe in this. The Bible says, I don't hear your prayers because I see hate. I see hate. I'm going to give you one more. You know Paul Cannon. There's got to be one more somewhere. Loss of love of God. We don't have the love of God in us. Chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 of 1 John. The love of God is not in us. So that's why it's easy. It becomes easier to just hate anybody. It could be the traffic light. How come they got that car? I got drivers hooped. Just hate people. Just hate. I remember being in Walmart. And you know, sometimes you, you move the cart around distracted. So you're moving the cart around distracted. And I grazed this lady's cart. And she was ready to fight. I'm not exaggerating. She, she turns around. <laughs> and I'm going, sorry, ma'am. <clears throat> Like, she's still going to fight. I'm going, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. And I kept moving. Like, I moved out of the way. She, she was ready to fight just because I grazed. I mean, grazed it. Not like hit it. Just grazed it. And the minute I did, I said, forgive me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And she was buckled up, straightened up, ready to fight. Hate. When hate continues to perpetuate itself, God is just nowhere in it. You find yourself hating everybody. That can, you can't stand how they look, what they dress, how they smell. They just smell so nasty. Why they got that cologne on? Why she like that? Just hate everything. People walk by you. Who's she smiling at? Just hate. Good morning. What's good about the morning? person just hate. The Bible says when a person gets into that darkness, God's love is gone and they become hateful. They just don't hate. They become hateful. So that's why love is critical because it turns off these things that erupt in a person's life when there's no love. These things erupt in this person's life. And there's several others in the book of 1 John. But I ain't going to do one more on you. Now here's what I, 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 I'm trying to conclude. But I want you to hear this last part. Hear this last part. Verse 20. Verse 20. Uh, you don't say that when you're preaching. So I want my son to, okay, let me stop. A sincere heart gets answered prayers. That's why the heart matters. A sincere heart coming before God. Don't forget, he's the only one that can read the heart. I, I don't care who the person is that think they know your heart. The person that knows your heart is God. And he's telling us to look for the by this to know if it's a sincere heart or not. He's telling us to look for it. What to look for to know if this person's heart is sincere. He's got it listed in 1 John. And I want to give you a short list of it. But he's saying when your heart is right and he looks into that person's life and he sees that heart, this is the way you could pray. This is the way you come to God. You come, you come gangster to God. Okay, I said gangster. Okay, okay, you come, you come, whatever young people say. But I like gangster. You come gangster to God. I like coming into prayer like he going to listen to me. I got this. 
Look at what he says here. Here's these things you, you want to bear in mind. Whatever, when our heart condemns us, God is greater. In other words, I could confess my sin. If I know my heart is wrong, but I intend to do what God says, but I know before I approached him there's issues going on, he's saying God can go against all those issues and fix my heart and cleanse my heart and rearrange my heart because God is saying I'm greater than any kind of mess you could ever come up with when you arrive before me. All I need to know is that when you come, you are honest about it. Chapter 1, verse 9, 8 through 9. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when I come to God and I know my heart isn't right, but the, in the things that I've done, in the things that I've done, but my heart is right in the sense that, man, the minute I come in his presence and he brings it up, I confess it. He says, I'm good, I'm greater, and I can release you from it. So you don't have to come to me perfect. You just have to come to me with the right heart. Because when you come with the right heart and I bring up stuff I need you to work on, you'll fix it. And I'm greater to remove it and act like it's as far as the east from the west. We are back on track. The lines are hooked up and we are ready to talk because you are ready to confess what bothers you, what you know bothers me. Here's the next thing he says. He says, he said, and only, only talking to Christians here, only talking to Christians here because non-Christians don't matter. That's why he says beloved in verse 21. He says, but if our heart does not condemn us, we have what? God is greater than our hearts in all things and knows all things. Beloved, okay, wait, wait let me say this thing. Remember that he knows. Folks, don't come to God like he ain't know nothing. That's, that's, that's disrespectful. You know, I, sometimes I think about us, we go to doctors and they totally embarrass us. Take off your clothes. Hmm. People make sure they have the right underwear on when they go to their doctor. <laughs> take, 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 take off your clothes. You're standing around naked. Then they tell you to put on the gown that we just talked about this morning. I know back in the back. And walk down the hall over here. That's how we are. We'll do anything the doctor says. Because what we want? To be fixed. We want to be fixed. They poke on you. Pick up your shirt. Mm, poking on you. Listening to your heartbeat. It's like this lady had to take my blood the other day. And I, I, I was going to pass out just to mess her up. <laughs> That's not right. I got convicted right away. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I really did. I, she, she got the needle and she put it in my hand. I was about to do that. And I said, okay, I'm going to kill this woman. And I stopped. And she, I looked at her and I said, I was going to pass out. And she said, oh, no, please don't do that. Oh, my God, don't do that. You scared the life out of me. I said, okay, that's why God convicted me. She might have passed out with me. <laughs> so she said, yeah, somebody did that to me one time. I had to go grab people and bring them in here. I said, I'd have created a whole commotion in this office. That's why God stopped me. Because I was literally going to do it. She's going to put a needle in. I was going to go. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? That's bad. <laughs> That's just, just to me and me. I'm sorry. It's just to me and me. I haven't stopped growing up, I guess. <laughs> God knows all things because he's been poking on us, extraying us. He lives inside of us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So when we go to God, stop acting like he don't know nothing. That, that, that's how you could come to God in boldness. God, you know what I've been thinking. I don't even go to God without talking about my thoughts. Because he says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I know your thoughts. He lives inside of us. So why do we go to God like he don't know nothing? We can just treat people the way we want to, act the way we want to, behave the way we want to, talk the way we want to. I say, oh God. God says, oh no, 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 I know everything. The word all means everything and everything that is everything is all that I know that is everything. That's literally what the word means in Greek. Everything that is everything that is anything and everything. I know all of it in everything and that is everything. That's what I do. So there's no way I can come to God and go, God, bless me. And he's going, um, we got an issue here. It's like going to your ATM and getting mad at the ATM machine. What you mean I don't have $10? You know you didn't before you went there. 
It's not the ATM problem. It's your problem. But we know people are behind us, so we keep pressing the button. Like, I just need to find my balance. Give me a minute. We know we had no money in there, tried and hoped the bank was behind the way we were working. And when we found out the truth, instead of accepting the truth, we fussed at the machine. These machines are just not working right. We know the truth. The Bible is saying when we go to God, tell the truth. Since we live in it. Because he knows. Here's the third thing we need to pay attention to when we pray. Go to him. He says, and the first thing is, if there's problems, he's greater. Remember, he knows everything. And in verse 21, he says, beloved, if our heart does not go against us, not go in, and if our heart does not condemn us, go against us, we have what? You know what confidence means in the Bible? I could take the initiative any time to speak the way I want to speak any time I want to speak, and I could talk to God the way I want to talk to God. Any moment I want to talk to God, and I could say what I really want to say any time I want to say because I know he's hearing me right now. God is feeling me. So I'm going to talk to him the way I want to talk to him, the way I need to talk to him, and respectfully before him, reverence him when I talk to him because I know he's hearing me right now. I know there's nothing that is messing me up because I've confessed it. I have gone to him about everything because he knows everything, and now I'm ready to talk to him. I can just talk. That's the way my grandkids approach me. Papa, I need this. I need it now. I need it now. I said, okay, let's figure out how we're going to do it. I got in trouble the other day like that. Papa, I want to go to the game room. Let's go. And I look at the price and I went, no. <laughs> then he brought up those words. You said yes. You can't break your word. <laughs> I'm looking at my wife going, mm-mm. Baby, I looked at this. I said, yes, that's the truth. But I didn't look at the price. Don't have money. Can't go. So let's figure out something else to do. I understand. Why does he come in confidence? Because he knows he got my heart. He knows he got my heart. The Bible says come with confidence. It means boldness. Come with, but you, when, why do you come? Because God don't know. Here's, here's the last thing. When you come and you know that God could take his sweet old time, in answering a prayer, he says, you have to keep the word of God. Look at verse 22. Because he can take a year. He cannot fix this problem until you get to heaven. So if I'm saying, well, God, I get mad at God. God, you didn't fix my husband. You didn't fix my wife. I've been praying. And God is saying, I'm going to answer it because you don't need a husband or a wife in heaven. So I may not answer this until you get to heaven. God, I can't stand this marriage anymore. No problem. Do you want to die early? <clears throat> I don't want to die early. Well, then grow spiritually so you, long, you love and get to know long suffering as a fruit of the Spirit. God, I can't stand this crazy job. You want to be broke? <laughs> I give you a whole lot of job with a lot of Christians on it, but your salary will be cut to 30%. Okay, God, I love these people. They are wonderful. Whole different animal. That's why he's saying, it, because I take my time answering your prayer in the perfect setting, 25 years for Abraham and Sarah, Daniel, sometimes within the right time is when I answer it, you must learn to do what you started doing when you first started. Keep my word. Since you started there, keep doing what you started doing that you disciplined your life to do. Keep doing that. Verse 22. Just keep doing that. Why? The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So while you are walking, begging him for this prayer that may be the worst situation, the tough situation, the hard situation, he says, at least I'm answering the ones that you're dealing with every day. I may not answer the ultimate one, but I'm taking care of you through the process because you choose to remain faithful. You choose to do what I say, when I say it, how I say it. You choose to keep my word so your heart stays right before me. If you sin, you know I'm greater than your heart. I can forgive you of the sin. We keep moving. He says, because you keep doing that. 
Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. I'll bless you because you never turned around. You never say, well, look at God. I've been praying for this for 10 years, and God didn't do it. No, I'm going to keep obeying God. I'm going to keep serving God. I'm going to keep doing whatever God asks me to do. I don't care what is going on. I'm going to keep doing because God is good to me. He woke me up this morning. He kept my job. He's watched over my health. He's watched over my children when they went out and when they came in. So even though you don't answer this prayer, he's taking care of a whole lot of stuff because he's maintained my house. He's took care of my finances. He's watched over me when I was sick. He raised me up when I was in surgery. He's kept me. So even though God hasn't answered that ultimate prayer, I'm still going to walk in him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to do whatever he says because God is still a good God whether he answers my prayers or not. The Bible is saying when I can see God like that, he says you're pleasing in my sight. Oh, now you're worshiping me. Oh, now you're at the ultimate. You're not just coming to me where your heart don't condemn you. Oh, you're pleasing. I love being around you. I love interacting with you because you smell good. The word pleasing means you're like a sweet swelling aroma that I love being around. It makes me feel so good to be around you. So that's why the heart matters. Heart matters. Because at the end of the day, my grandkids will say, hey, Papa, we love you. Hey, Papa, where are we going to go now? Of course, why? Their heart is right. Oh, folks, understand. It doesn't mean that when Taya and her brother may not fight, but when Taya see her brother hurting, she's going to love on him. Why? Because that's her brother. So it doesn't mean everything goes right, but the heart is right. The Bible says it's not that God got a problem answering us. It's that our heart is what matters. When we come there. I know I see that uh, y'all got um, Deshaun Watson out this door, leaving out the church door. There's Deshaun Watson for the Texans. I see y'all put him there for Black History Month. I didn't see Roger Starbuck. I didn't see Doc. I saw Texan quarterback out there in the church that I passed. That's twisted. You see, but at the end of the day, end of the day, it's like somebody told me a joke about y'all Texans. At the end of the day, the man was saying, man, I'm a Texan fan, I'm a Texan fan, I'm a Texan fan. And I want the Texan people to bury me. And the guy says, why would you want the Texans to bury you? You expect the whole team to come out here and bury you? He says, yeah, because that would be the last time they let me down. <laughs> hey! That's what y'all get for putting Watson out there. <laughs> they pump you up talk about the Super Bowl you go and you worship them you clap, you praise them you can't, when Watson walked by you probably have a heart attack some of you women married would be looking while Watson walked by you see the money, you don't see the body you see the money and you'll be watching and you'll be happy and you will say girl we're doing good we're in the playoffs but at the end of the day our team did not make it to the Super Bowl. They did not win. The Chiefs won. He's been waiting on them forever. He's been wearing their shirt. He's been sleeping with their pillow. He's been waiting forever. He finally got a game day. But I know my Jesus. He faced death and came to life. I know my Jesus. He sits at the right hand of the Father. There is never a letdown. Because the Lord is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I could ever ask or think. My Lord said he will never leave me, not forsake me. He wants to hear my prayers. He wants to answer my prayers. He promises that no matter what I am doing, he's willing to forgive me so he can hear everything I'm saying. He promises to never let me down. And when I do go down, he says, oh man, when I close my eyes, he says, in the twinkling of an eye, you are with me. So I never go down. I'm always up. I'm always up. I'm always up. Why? Because the heart is the heart of prayer. And that's all that matters for him. 
He will never let me down. He's always my quarterback. I can fix my eyes on him because I know he ain't going nowhere. Oh, my Lord is able. Let us stand for I just keep y'all. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I love my Lord. Oh, yeah. It's the heart that matters. It's the heart that matters. Y'all get fired up for the wrong person. Get fired up over Jesus. It's funny to see how people can go to a game and lose their mind and they come to church and be so civil. But at the game, go! Oh, 